This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. One last check of social media to make sure there are no rogue reports out there because we are T-minus 45 minutes and counting past the trade deadline 2023, otherwise known as Halloween, October 31st here on Cardinals Underground. Paul Calvisi, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, and all the above are lacking in any sort of Halloween costume. I got to say, Danny, um, you defied the scouting report. I thought maybe just maybe you might have something in the way of a costume today. Alas, we're disappointed. You know, I thought about it. Last year, I, I wore a costume because Halloween was on a Monday. So the Morning Scramble crew, the live stream show that we do Mondays um, covering the game, we all dressed up. And I was a farmer. And I wore cut-off overalls, a big straw hat, a bandana, the whole nine yards. And I remember it was a Monday, and so... Cliff Kingsbury was talking to the media and I walk in in my costume I remember and this now. nobody else is wearing any sort of costume <laughs> at all. Not even like just one little piece like cat ears or something, right? Like a baseball hat, like literally nothing. So I quickly took off my straw hat and I'm sitting in the front row in like tennis shoes and overalls and a bandana around my neck at this head coaching uh, press <laughs> awkward, conference. Awkward. And so knowing today was coordinators on this Tuesday, and we also actually got a bit of head coach Jonathan Gannon. Oh, uh, hello. Truthfully, Foreshadowing. it's become um, a, a bit almost of where like when defensive coordinator Nick Rollis sits down, he like looks to me to like have the first question. I was thinking, if I'm sitting there and I'm the only one in costume, I just feel like it's just going to exponentially become so much more uncomfortable for me than it would have otherwise. So I was lame, and I decided not to wear a costume today. That's my long explanation. That's a, that's that's not lame. That's that's just smart. Well, you guys aren't wearing costumes, which means it's lame. But you just never know how these things are going to work out. I mean, Josh Dobbs started today thinking, you know, he wasn't going to dress up. And then by the end of today, guess what? Um, somebody put a Minnesota Vikings outfit in his locker. So you never oh, that know. Was clever there, Paul. You never know what you're going to end up wearing, which gets us into the QB question, which all of a sudden has new multiple choice answers. Does it not? There was a reason that Jonathan Gannon met the media on a Tuesday, which is not the norm. It's normally reserved for coordinators only. So, Darren, why don't you pick it up from there? What is known? What is unknown? Where do the Cardinals stand early in Week 9 when it comes to the quarterback question? Well, just to clarify, Jonathan Gannon wasn't in that media room very long, and he didn't take any questions. He popped in, he had a couple things to say, and he left. But um, the Cardinals did trade Joshua Dobbs, the quarterback, out to Minnesota um, because of Kirk Cousins' Achilles injury. Obviously, they needed a quarterback. It was quite the turn of events, as we all know. Because all of us were there after the game Sunday when uh, Jonathan Gannon said that Dobbs was going to be his starter this week in Cleveland. And then Monday, 
he obviously said that, oh, I've changed my mind. It's either going to be Clayton Toon or possibly Kyler Murray if he's healthy. And then, of course, uh, Tuesday they trade Dobbs. So right now, as we record this, the Cardinals have one quarterback on the active roster, Clayton Toon. They have Kyler Murray still on the PUP list. Gannon did say they're going to bring in another quarterback. Not sure who that is, although the last quarterback that they had around was Jeff Driscoll, who was on their practice squad, and he has not been picked up anywhere. So that's an option, short-term option. And uh, we were, we're going to see this week what happens with Kyler Murray if he gets activated or if it's Clayton Toon on Sunday. What was interesting to me post game when Gannon said that Josh Dobbs was going to be a starter in Cleveland right after uh, Sunday's game, maybe I was the only one that kind of took it differently because the previous questions leading up to that was, was why wasn't Clayton Toon put into the game? And so those were kind of the questions leading up to it when Gannon said Josh Dobbs is going to be our starter. To me, I didn't really take, I guess, as much into it as others did because in every instance, Gannon has gone up on the podium and he has taken the the responsibility or their blame or whatever it might be for any position. So I would have never expected Gannon to say anything, even if it's, we'll see, we have decisions to be made. That just doesn't seem like the type of coach he is when he's at the podium, which is why it was very interesting on Monday when Gannon started the press conference and said, yeah, uh, Clayton Toon is going to be the starter if Kyler Murray's not ready. And so everyone was thinking, wait, so Josh Dobbs is your third string? And lo and behold, we should have known. We should have picked up on something. The moment Gannon sat down and just straight up offered that information without being asked, we should have known something was going on behind closed doors. So did Gannon change his mind, or did the Minnesota Vikings change his mind? Meaning, did the Vikings come with an offer that forced the Cardinals to change their mind? I'm wondering that myself. I think that's a very fair question to ask, that maybe maybe there wasn't a change of mind. Maybe it was indeed uh, changed for him because there was a chance to get some for Josh Dobbs, and you knew he wasn't going to be around long-term anyways. He was going into the last year of his contract. You already had Clayton Toon. Kyler Murray was going to play. Uh, that did that did absolutely cross my mind. This this trade makes a lot of sense to me because, yes, I understand you are 1-7 in seven if you're a Cardinals fan, right, and, and having Josh Dobbs as your quarterback – However, he showed what he can do and how he can keep teams in the game and the type of throws that he can make and how he can use his legs. And the fact that he came in and was able to play well enough week one after only six practices and we saw the progression at least through that first month of how much he improved, there could be a lot of upside for somebody like Minnesota and and what you see in Dobbs if you're needing a quarterback to come in on short notice and, and step up. I like that the Cardinals took advantage of that trade value, knowing that Kyler Murray's return is imminent. Is that Sunday in Cleveland? Is that the following week in uh, at home against the Falcons? Is it maybe the week after, right? It, it's, we know that it's coming soon. And so you can rock with rookie quarterback Clayton Toon, or if you end up bringing in someone like Jeff Driscoll, um, who has some familiarity with his offense, you can get by one or two weeks with that situation. I like that Arizona took advantage of that trade value at Dobbs on the deadline day, and they ended up, they traded Dobbs in a conditional 2024 seventh-round pick and got a sixth-round pick for next year. So Monty Awesomefort can cook the way he did this past year. I can only imagine what's in store next year. So look, Josh Dobbs' time was limited. I mean, you know, the Kyler countdown has commenced. So, but then again, Dobbs, to me, had hit a ceiling in terms of what he was bringing the Cardinals. You can look at 
three straight games with a passer rating at 60 or below. Now he ramped up the passer rating in the fourth quarter this final game. But keep in mind, after that second pick, his passer rating at that point was 25 points something. And then he had a furious fourth quarter and he raised it up. But if you look, I would say there are three reasons why Josh Dobbs did not have a future with the Cardinals beyond just Kyler Murray. Number one, and I think the first two are encapsulated in his two interceptions. Number one, the lack of accuracy, at least not consistent accuracy when he airmails the deep slant to Michael Wilson to the point where Wilson didn't even know if it was intended for him or not. He didn't even make an effort for the ball. It was so far above his head. The second interception was worse. Just the read itself, thrown into cover two, thrown into double coverage. And then I'd say the third reason was a byproduct of every single game, and that was the failure to connect with Hollywood Brown. You've got a guy who's having, on film, Hollywood Brown's having a Pro Bowl season. In the box score, not so much. And you got to figure out a way to maximize the production of a Hollywood Brown who is consistently beating coverage. Absolutely. I think you're spot on. And we've talked about that on this podcast of have we just seen the most of what we can see from Dobbs? Maybe that's a different story with Minnesota. Maybe Minnesota feels like what they have seen from Dobbs is enough with their personnel to get them through the year. That is on the Vikings at this point. I agree. I think you have seen what you can get the most out of from Dobbs in a Cardinals uniform. Um, You know, there were still good things, right? He had that, that month, that stretch of keeping them in games. But you're right. The lack of connection with Hollywood Brown, the fact that you have to assume that came into some sort of play when Michael Wilson would be, you know, really active and then go MIA, right? You have to assume the connection there played a role in that as well. Um, It just, I, I, the accuracy as of late, it seems like he's really been forcing the ball five interceptions in four games. That's, that, that is just, you're not going to win games like that when you're constantly turning the ball over. And you're right, the accuracy hasn't been there. The connections haven't been there. I, I saw, I think, a fairly decent kind of way to talk about Josh Dobbs. Uh, and I forget who did it. It was online. But basically the the implication was, I think it was Doug Farrar of, of USA Today, um, that if the Vikings are willing to use Josh Dobbs for what he is, which is a random big play quarterback and not necessarily a caretaker quarterback, then maybe they'll benefit because that did strike me as something that Josh Dobbs did. He's, he's not your ultimate take care of the ball at all costs, although he did do that for the first month for the most part. Um, No interceptions his first four games. But he is a guy that will all of a sudden randomly break out a huge play. It it seemed like the passes were more um, the first month than the second month, but absolutely with his legs. So that's something that I I think probably fairly shows what he did in these eight games with the Cardinals. He was never the same after James Conner went down. Now, that coincide with four to five games worth of game film out there and the book was out on Josh Dobbs and defenses adjusted? Or was that the lack of a Pro Bowl running back and a guy who was number two in yards per carry in the NFL, who commanded the respect of the front seven, is they, who made sure the play action was effective just the, every time number six was out on the field? Once you didn't have that, he wasn't as effective a quarterback. And we'll never get the answer as to whether there was cause and effect. We don't know exactly what we do know is no turnovers, no problem. Five turnovers, five picks, that is, in four games, 
big problem. And it's not just for Dobbs. Like, you look at the Niners, three-game losing streak. Brock Purdy had zero picks the first five games. They were 5-0. and He has five picks in the last three games. They've lost all three. So you just can't have it as a quarterback. The Browns somehow, miraculously, this week's opponent, they're 500 and or 4-3 and three right now. They have 17 turnovers, 17 giveaways. They lead the NFL. And, you know, of course, they've been out to Sean Watson for a number of games. But anyway, it's uh, it just makes when you're in rebuild mode, reset mode, whatever you want to call it, and you're already lacking talent at, you know, comparatively speaking to most rosters, you can't afford the turnovers. So that alone was reason enough to execute a trade. That's why I think this is a great trade for the Cardinals. You got the most out of Josh Dobbs that you could. You got what you needed from him. And if Minnesota is willing to offer you something that can help bolster your team through the draft in the long haul starting next year, I think that makes sense, again, because you know that Kyler Murray is going to be coming back soon. The Hollywood Brown quote after the game might have been in your story on easycardinals.com, Darren Urban. And uh, he said, he was asked about Dobbs' strong finish in the fourth quarter. And if you reverse engineer this quote, because here's what Hollywood answered. Quote, he started getting the ball out. He started to make the correct reads, then the correct throws, and finished the game on a positive note. That's talking about the fourth quarter. But what he's saying about the first three quarters is, if you want to reverse engineer that quote, he wasn't getting the ball out on time. He wasn't making the correct reads and the correct throws. I mean, we, we saw that, didn't we? Yes. I mean... Look, it's just I, I, like, I like Josh Dobbs a ton. Uh, Absolutely, I tweeted that out. I mean, I you're not going to find, talk to. find a, a, a better dude, but he majorly struggled. I mean, the the Cardinals went 75 yards on their opening drive to score that touchdown. The next nine drives, they totaled 81 yards. Well, and on that third down, he was sacked, and it was a penalty that negated that, which is what kept that drive alive. So, I mean, I guess ultimately. I think he gave them what he probably gave them the most that they were going to get out of the situation. Now, did they give up a fifth round pick and get a seventh in return? Yes, they did. It, it more or less would be wiped out, I think, with this trade. The, the interesting thing of this trade is they get a they get a sixth round back. They did send a seventh with Dobbs. Now, the Dobbs uh, the seventh has got a condition on it. I don't know what that is, but I would guess if he plays X number of snaps or games or whatever it might be, then that pick will go away and it'll just be a straight-up Dobbs for a sixth-rounder, which, if that's true, it basically would wipe out the first trade because you got eight games of Dobbs and you just move back around. And I think, if I'm right, the fifth round they sent originally was a Philadelphia Eagles fifth-round pick, which was is going to be near the back of the fifth round. So, Well, guess what? The Vikings might go with fifth-round rookie Jaron Hall, at least to start. Cardinals might go with fifth-round rookie Clayton Toon, which is our segue. Toon is a complete unknown, obviously, especially in the regular season. I will say this, though. I do expect better accuracy from Clayton Toon than the Cardinals had received the first eight games of the season. Beyond that, we have no idea. He's mobile. He's definitely mobile. Uh, he, 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 we saw it. In Minnesota, those two 11-on-11 practice sessions against the Vikings, against the first-team Vikings defense, where it did not go so well for Colt McCoy, 
and a decision was made accordingly to trade for Josh Dobbs. By the end of that Thursday, in fact, we had to redo a segment of the Big Red Rage because it actually happened in real time while we were recording from Minnesota. That's how real time it was. Whereas Cole McCoy struggled against the Vikings, Clayton Toon had some good moments. I mean, we were standing there watching him thread the needle, extend plays. Obviously, he's not getting tackled to the ground. Okay, it's not a full contact session when you're the quarterback. But I think he definitely showed enough in that session to solidify his spot in the 53, as we ultimately saw. Well, that and I think he definitely solidified the fact that he was going to be above um, Colt McCoy, I think, at that point. It's it's funny. You start thinking about the, the, the full circle. The Cardinals were in Minnesota when they traded with the Browns for Josh Dobbs. And now the week that the Cardinals are going to play the Browns, they trade Dobbs yeah. to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Someone should write a story about that. But then we saw Clayton Toon in the game against the Minnesota Vikings. And, of course, he missed the blitz off the edge. He's looking the other way. And the strip sack and, you know, a ball that should have been out, should have recognized what was coming and got it to the hot. And he didn't. So, but once mentally again, he stayed in it. You know, he did. And you're right. He responded the very next possession, first play. He went downfield for a 20-plus yard completion to Greg Dortch, did he not? Yes. So, Okay. And at some point, you got to get regular season reps. That's the best way. You can only replicate practice as much as you can. Here's a question. What's he going to look like? Is he going to look like Will Levis making his NFL debut last week? Four touchdown passes. How many of those to DeAndre Hopkins? Th- three of them as he <laughs> counted them off. And, and there were three deep shots as well. I, I wrote it down for, uh, for Will Levis in that game. I mean, he ended up with a 61, a 47, and a 33-yard touchdown pass. Will Levis. Would you guys say, let's just hit the brakes there for one moment. Would you say that the big play is maybe the most vexing part of what's been missing from the Cardinals offense so far? Yes, they have had essentially no explosive plays. I mean, this this past week, they didn't have any explosive plays. Maybe, truly, maybe one. I mean, Hollywood Brown's longest catch was nine yards. That, that can't happen. No. Not when he's getting open downfield. Again, this was all working the first month for the most yep. part, and then it just disappeared off the face of the earth. So was that because teams are going with everybody now, the too high safety shell look and keeping everything underneath, or are there opportunities that are just being missed? Could Clayton Toon come in and tune up that Browns defense and rip off three long deep shots to Hollywood Brown? Well, we'll see. So that could be the treat of the trick-or-treat on Halloween. The trick could be if Clayton Toon comes in and he looks like the guy drafted one spot after him, our guy, <laughs> Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who didn't fare so well in his one and only start for the Browns this year. In fact, it was, uh, it was downright ugly. It would, uh, the D and DTR stood for disaster when he made a week four start as uh, he went 19 to 36, okay, but it was a buck 21 through the air, three interceptions, four sacks. He had a passer rating of 25.3 and 166 total yards on offense for a Browns team that didn't play him again. P.J. Walker was the starter after that with the injured Deshaun Watson. So you just never know. If Clayton Toon is indeed the starting quarterback, what are you going to get? The Will Levis, or are you going to get the DTR? And you have no idea what's coming. Well, Will Levis was a second-round pick, though, and DTR was a fifth-round pick, so I I, I know what I'd probably lean towards. Are you going to get the Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, a year ago, right, who – started in December and 
you know, was undefeated in the regular season until this recent three-game skid. I guess with with Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel yeah, and yeah, Brandon Ayuk, yeah, sure. Yeah, I I yeah, think Clayton Toon yeah, would do well in that. Yeah. Well, offense. let me ask you something. Especially this last week, there were a lot of people wondering why Clayton Toon wasn't put into the game when Dobbs was having the performance he had. So if Toon goes out there and he has a performance where he looks like a fifth-round draft pick, do you really have a, a problem with that? If that's his first regular season look, I, yes, he's had one snap on a fake punt in Seattle. I'm not counting that as nope. his first real snap. He has to have a little bit of a grace period, does he not? Punters are people too, Danny. But look, if was that eye roll caught on camera? Was was that? I guess now that's a thing, right? Everyone can see when I do that. I, now. I've already forgotten about the cameras. That's what they always say. Once once the magic is over, then you just you're just used it. to the fame by now. One week on YouTube. Once you start playing to the cameras, it's all over. It's just all over. You know, just uh, so so. Getting back to the scouting report <laughs> on Clayton Tune, right? Okay, we know we can extend the play. We know the accuracy is at least we saw it early. Uh, he played a lot in college, okay? He's been, you know, watching these regular season games for two months. Uh, he has a top 10 run game. That's been consistent. He's got a tight end now that is really emerging. Anybody want to say anything about Trey McBride? I mean, come on, let's get something in on Trey. How about that? How about, how about the scrum? How about the rugby scrum touchdown? That actually was a finalist for angry runs. How I was going to say, did you see Kyle Brandt's segment with Trey? I mean, he, that was fantastic. I Look, a lot of people have been wondering when Trey McBride was going to get his chance. Obviously, Ertz is on the, on the, on the sideline now. And, and you wonder, I mean, Ertz is expected back, but you start wondering, okay, does this just, is this the official passing of the torch? Because yes. Trey McBride looked pretty good. Yeah, no, no question. Even I mean, even after the drop, you're right. I add that in, and he still looked really good. I've never, ever, and I'm sure you guys saw it too. Never even close to seeing him that upset, that enraged with himself. The way he slammed the helmet down on the sideline. Equipment guys came over. I was telling Craig Grillo, they looked at it like, you know, after Darren slams his wedge, you know, after he chunks one out of the bunker, right? I don't play golf. And he, and he looked at it like, okay, is this thing still true and straight, the face mask? Because he just hammered that thing like Devontae Adams to the, to the ground. And then he came back and just stoked that thing and then got some help from, uh, from PJ, uh, Paris Johnson and, uh, and Will Hernandez getting shoved into the end zone. In fact, you could feel that down on the sideline. That that was like it was like a herd of buffaloes coming into. I mean, that was big boy football right there. You know, Seattle likes to tell like, oh geez, when Beast Mode scored on that playoff touchdown, it, it reached two point three on the Richter scale and all that kind of stuff. I we need a Richter scale. Forget the big red siren. We need a Richter scale at State Farm Stadium. I like to see if that would have registered. Truly encap encapsulate and oh, truly <laughs> embodied. No, you were good. <laughs> the. Uh, Effort and uh, you know energy and passion and fight that we have seen from Jonathan Gannon's team on that one play. Wow, that word really tripped me up. In fact, did you guys catch Baldy's breakdowns, Brian Baldinger, and he does those video breakdowns on Twitter? They're kind of raw, but they're really insightful because I think he's just like shooting cell phone video of a computer screen and just talking over the all twenty-two. But he picked out five plays from the Cardinals-Ravens game. And three of them were just talking about the fight, talking about the Cardinals' defense, about how they didn't give an inch, 
right? I mean, they weren't always successful. Obviously, and Lamar Jackson made his share of plays. Here was the tweet from Brian Baldinger. Forget the Cardinals' record. They play the game the only way. Full metal jacket. Like being attacked by a swarm of red ants. And he's documenting the Cardinals' defense just swarming to the ball. And what they did against Lamar Jackson. Love the way this team flies around on D. Someone is going to get whipped by this group soon. They're not playing like a 1-7 in team. I mean, sure, if you want to look at the box score and you want to look at some of the numbers, okay. But when you're looking about whether or not this team is staying in it, mentally and physically and emotionally and all of that, they are absolutely continuing to stay in the game and give themselves a chance. One of those uh, plays by Baldi was um, Amari DiMercato, who I thought did a nice job finding the gaps this week. So I asked him last week, I said, you know, we were talking on the air about how you really look like you're a patient running back, which, you know, is to your credit, especially as a rookie, an undrafted rookie. You know, I remember David Johnson back in the day, and he had that really big 2016 year, right, Darren? 2016 was his big, huge year, David Johnson. That is correct. And he credited, repeatedly credited Chris Johnson for teaching him to be patient, which is sort of ironical, if you will, because Chris Johnson was the 4-2-4-40 guy who used to hit the hole so fast, and then he learned, no, wait, wait, hat and a hat, wait for the blocks to develop, wait for the O-line to get there, now stoke it, now go north. And David Johnson learned that, and that's something Amari DiMercato was talking to him in his locker. He said, I learned that early at TCU. I used to hit the hole so fast that it would trigger my offensive linemen. They would get so mad at me. They said, wait till I get there. It's going to be there. Just give me half a moment to get there. And so now you see Amari DiMercato, and he's running the ball, and he's almost stopping his feet, and he's waiting, and then he stokes it, and he has good vision, and he's following you know, the rear ends of his offensive linemen because that sort of tells you which direction to go. And, yeah, it's, uh, now you didn't see a whole lot of him in the fourth quarter, which makes me wonder about this week. We'll see. And then next week you're going to get James Conner back, right? Well, you can get him back. Can that doesn't mean back. you will get him back. Ah, that's true. You know how Darren feels about running that's backs. That's right. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Actually, I don't. How do you feel about I running feel backs? I feel just lovely about running backs. I'm just really? saying you can't rush James Conner back in this very first thing. What what what, what were you implying there? Danny? I'm just thinking back to when James Conner got his contract extension. Well, oh, okay. Mm. Interesting. All right. I don't forget. So. <laughs> Speaking of forgetting, Danny, you haven't brought up the fact that Kyler didn't play this week. <sighs> I did bring it up on radio on you Sunday. Did. Look, I, I, if I'm going to... I'm just going to lean take, back and then let you take this, Danny. Go ahead. If I'm going to take the risk yeah. and lead the charge that I thought Kyler would return Sunday against the Ravens, I will sit here and humbly accept my defeat that I was fooled. I was bamboozled. I was wrong. Do not cut that, Omo. Um... <laughs> All the signs were there, but again, you the priority is making sure that Kyler is not only physically but mentally ready to go as well. You're putting this team in the best position to win. So if that wasn't the case against Baltimore, I'm not going to hold it against him. Just that's, be excited when he comes back. That's that's a lovely way to put it, Danny. Thank you. And I believe that's our segue into Kyler. <laughs> we usually pick our spots. We sort of do the vertical tease thing. And eventually here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, we get to Kyler Murray. Uh, I know one of the bullet points that was in the game plan for this week was titled, The Forever Wait for Kyler. Is that the official? Are you, are you using that, Darren? Is that no, something you're going with? No, you can change it to whatever you're... Uh, if no, you want to like say it. the I, Andy, no. wait for Kyler, well, we can do that. Calvisi Consulting does have a new nickname. We'll leave that for a little bit later. Uh, 
Not necessarily about Kyler, but I do like the forever wait. You know, it kind of reminds me like the Purge movies. It really does. (laughs) You know, how many many Purge movies? Well, there's five, Darren. I'm glad you asked. There's the Purge. There's the Purge Anarchy. There's First Purge, Forever Purge, and then Purge Election Year. But once again, it's. Do you guys talk about this beforehand? Like you're going to bring it up and I'm left out of the loop? No, this is chemistry. This is what this is chemistry in action. Were you going to say this is what I'm working towards or something? Is that (laughs) what you stopped yourself from saying? When I see the Forever Wait for Kyler, I think of the Forever Purge. And and I think Josh Dobbs just got caught up in one of those purges. Oh, that should have been your costume today. Oh, that would have been good. That would have been great. I do I want to ask Danny, like, are you thinking he's going to play this week, or are you now officially on the Falcons bandwagon? The moment that, on Monday, before the trade, when Gannon said that Toon was going to play if Kyler's not ready, yes. I'm thinking, okay, Kyler's going to be ready. I don't think you'd come and you'd make that announcement so after you're, the you're trade. it's automatic Murray at that I point. was, and then after the trade... The fact that Gannon said he's going to bring in a third quarterback doesn't necessarily change my mind because we've known that he likes to have three quarterbacks on the roster, so that doesn't necessarily change my thought process of making sure you would have a backup for Clayton Toon. But with all this going on, I I think I would not be surprised if Kyler is active Sunday in Cleveland. And prior to this happening Tuesday with the trade and everything – I would have thought they'd wait for him to kind of come home and and play against the Falcons. But with the moves that have been made, it really wouldn't surprise me. Well, here's the only thing about that for me, which is the the idea of him playing in Cleveland or the idea of him playing in uh, at home against Atlanta. You don't get to pick and choose when the trade deadline is, and it happened to be that. That's Minnesota fair. lost their quarterback, and then all of a sudden there was a chance to get something for Dobbs when he wasn't going to be playing long-term and he probably wasn't going to come back to this team. So maybe it's just a timing thing. I'll be curious to know. I do think this, which is whoever they bring in, let's say they bring back Jeff Driscoll to the practice squad because he's been around. I If Kyler doesn't start in Cleveland, I don't see him being activated as the backup. I agree. That, to me, would make no no sense. sense. Because November 8th is the deadline to either put Kyler on pup for the rest of the year or activate him to the roster. And that's that's the Wednesday after the Browns game, obviously. So when Jonathan Gannon says it's to be determined that he doesn't know yet who exactly is going to be the starting quarterback, show of hands, are we buying that? Is that just kicking that decision down the road, sort of like Kevin Stefanski, is using the gamesmanship and not naming his starting quarterback this week. I, mean, I feel like you know. I feel like he knows he's just not sharing that, whether it's Kyler or not. He's probably leaning one way or the other, but I, I don't, I don't see. I'll be honest. I don't see the reason to shut the door on anything. Um, you, you don't know what the week at that. You know, you don't know what the week is going to exactly hold. You don't know how Kyler is going to be this week. Maybe he comes back and says this is absolutely. But no, I, I would. Especially, I, I guess, ultimately, and we're not going to know this probably, but if it turned out that the whole reason he, the backtracking of the quarterback thing happened on Monday was because they realized they had a trade partner in Minnesota and they were going to move on from Dobbs, then that would tell me that probably you're, you're leaning towards giving Kyler one more week and having Clayton Toon out there, if, if that's how it worked out. Because I think if Dobbs was here, he probably would be starting this week. Could it be that you're waiting for Kyler Murray to tell you 
Remember when Kyler Murray was activated from the pup list? And Jonathan Gannon was asked, well, when did you make that decision? Gannon's response was, I didn't. Kyler told me. Said, I'm good to practice today, coach. Said, great, see you out there. And that was the extent of the exchange. Could it be that Jonathan Gannon is waiting for Kyler Murray again to tell him, I'm ready to play? It's possible. I think now that we're working through things, at least in my mind, in real time here, thinking back to Gannon sitting down and starting the press conference Monday saying that Toon would start over Dobbs. Maybe that is just because you know that Kyler isn't going to be ready and you know, I'm sure he knew at that point something was in the works with Minnesota. And so you don't want to come out and say Clayton Toon is going to start and that's it because then that shares with the world no chance Kyler Murray is going to be ready. But if you say Clayton Toon, if Kyler's not ready, well then that kind of keeps Kyler in the discussion. Maybe all along there really is no chance that Kyler plays and it was going to be Clayton Toon. It was just kind of couldn't really share all that because you know, the trade wasn't finalized. Because if Kyler Murray physically is full go, like Jonathan Gannett said the first week he was back, and then doubled down the next week and said he's fully healthy, quote-unquote. Well, and he's not even getting practice designations on the injury report. There you go. Yeah. Okay, so then what does it come down to? It comes down to Kyler, I would presume. Yeah, I would think so. If he's – I mean, if he's – if you have a, a quarterback with four years of experience, I don't care how new he is to this offense. Uh, he's been in all those same meeting rooms as Clayton Toon. Now, has he repped it out on the field nearly the amount that Clayton Toon has? No, but he has four years of experience under his belt. He has two Bro Bowls. He's a rookie of the year. He's played in a playoff game. So all that being the case, and at some point, he's going to have to get out there in game action. At some point, it's going to be his debut in this offense. Well, a couple things. One, if that's all true about – Kyler saying it, then then Gannon probably doesn't know. Like that is fair. Exactly my point. That's why I asked the question. Do you think he knows yet? And, he might not, because it's not up to him. And the other part of it, uh, Drew Petzing was talking about it this week, uh about Kyler, and he was exaggerating a little bit because I we we don't you know, I think training camp started on the twenty sixth of July or something like that. But he said he made some kind of comment and be like, if if he was going through training camp, it would be like July twenty eighth right now, or whatever he said. And obviously, we'd be a little deeper into training camp, but that's he's trying to make that point. Like it would still be really early in training camp if he played right now, and that's one of the reasons why he might need a little bit more time. So I, I understand that point too. Take me out of the discussion of trying to figure out when Kyler's coming back, because apparently I don't know anything. Don't cut that either, Elmo. Yeah. You believed in yourself, Danny. You just don't anymore. It's like, I'll cite Garrett Williams as an example, to a degree. Obviously, he plays a vastly different position with far fewer responsibilities and pressure on him. But Garrett Williams told us last week in the Big Red Rage, you know, at some point, I was only getting so much out of practice, right? You know, it's the Allen Iverson. It's practice. At some point, you got to get out there into a game, and you're going to be playing your first game in about a year if you're Garrett Williams, and it's going to be really fast in the first quarter, and it's going to settle down in the second quarter, and you're going to make your share of mistakes. But on his weekly TV show, Jonathan Gannon said that Garrett Williams really graded out vastly better in Game 2 than he did in Game 1, even though he didn't have the pick, he didn't have the splash play. You heard Nick Ross talk about that triangle in the secondary and the inside of the defense, right? With Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson and Garrett Williams, uh, which you know was featured a little bit in those Baldy breakdowns as well. 
I think if you're the Cardinals, you feel real good about that trio at safety slash nickel corner going forward. Obviously, you got to figure out the outside cornerbacks, right? But um, just as an example of Garrett Williams, at some point, yeah, it's going to be a year without any full speed, full contact football, but you got to get in there. Yeah, and I, I think what you were talking about earlier, Paul, is, is all the experience that Kyler has playing football in this league. Yes, this is a new scheme, but at some point, like to, to a certain degree, all that experience is still going to help him much more than these other quarterbacks, right? Josh Dobbs didn't have even a fraction of that experience when he came in. Clayton Toon obviously doesn't have that kind of experience. So even though both Toon and Kyler have really just been in the meeting rooms, it's not like Clayton Toon's been getting a lot of the reps with the ones. Kyler, in my opinion, is still going to have a leg up because of how much he has seen in the league, which is obviously going to help him when he's in in those meetings and watching film and understanding things quickly. We've heard from his teammates that the first time Kyler was out there practicing, he was already making checks of the line. We've seen with our own eyes when we are out there at the open portion of practice that Kyler is still slinging it. Like, he's got that zip. It doesn't look like to our naked eye that anything of that knee is hindering him in, in any sort of the way. The big question, only Kyler knows this, is... How is he going to feel mentally when he's got guys at his feet, when he's no longer wearing the non-contact jersey? Well, I mean, to me, that's that's the biggest thing. And we've talked about this on on the podcast before. And now Dobbs is gone, so it, the, the direct comparison is also gone. But Josh Dobbs made a ton of rushing yards this year, having a chance to be tackled, breaking tackles, taking on tacklers and getting around them where Kyler in the same positions in years past always went down immediately. How many more yards did Josh Dobbs get you with the legs that you wouldn't got Kyler? And that was before Kyler had a a major knee injury. And now you're talking about the mental part about that. I'm curious to see how all that plays out. Is he strictly going to be a pocket quarterback when he comes back at first? I don't see like they ran that two-point conversion early in the Josh Dobbs era, if we can call it that. The For the two-point conversion, they ran quarterback power. That's not happening with Kyler, even though he's really effective in the red zone. I don't see Kyler necessarily being a pocket quarterback. I don't think there will be as many designed runs in the first few weeks that there will be later on or maybe in the future. But I, I, don't, I still think we will see the scrambles and we'll see him extend plays some of the way that we saw Josh Dobbs. Now, they... they they extend plays very differently. Dobbs would hang in the pocket a little longer and he would run through the line, right? We actually saw this past week, Dobbs did what Kyler Murray typically does when he extends plays, which is roll out of the pocket, go back a couple of yards behind the line of scrimmage, and hopefully you don't get sacked because then what would have been, what, a two-yard sack becomes a 12- or 15-yard sack. So they extend plays pretty differently. Unless that's going to change yeah, now with yeah. this new scheme and the yeah. new coaching staff. Maybe yeah. that's something that is going to change in Kyler's game. And look, something that always benefits Kyler is if he figures out the other team is using a spy. Because there's one defender who's allocated to him. Great. That's a guy taken out of coverage if you're going to be a spy. Josh Dobbs said that started to happen, which is another adjustment that defenses started to make. After a few games with the Arizona Cardinals, he started starting in the Cincinnati game. They, they used a spy. Just like the Cardinals had Buddha as a spy against Lamar Jackson in some of those key third down passing situations. He was there. And, you know, so it's going to happen. But if you can use your brain to dissect a defense, and that can be a real liability for the defense because obviously it's one last guy they have out in coverage. So 
because it can always get worse, Calvisi Consulting, the Pauly Pigskin Division, did come up with a uh, couple of nicknames that uh, are still in sort of the formative phases here. Um, oh, yeah, that's working. right, nicknames. Okay. So when it comes to that triangle, right, the whole the whole triangle that Nick Rollis was talking about, Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, and uh, Garrett Williams, Yes. we've all heard of the Bermuda Triangle. We have. What about the Buddha Triangle? Well, it's more than just Buddha. It is. So it's it's not... That kind of fell flat. That one's... Okay, so then we'll save the better one for last. Yes. Hopefully, uh, when you're talking about the chaotic defensive line front where there are guys just standing and yes. mulling around... There was lots of those. Lots right? of there, those, There was right? lots, of, lots yeah. of times when there was no down linemen against Lamar Jackson. I don't know about you guys, but I've actually gone into the locker room and said, okay, what do you guys call that? I can't get it no one's going to answer it. I don't know if there isn't a name. I don't know if they won't answer it, if it's classified information. So in the absence of information, we make up our own. Instead of 52-card pickup, what if we went with 11-card pickup? Oh, what do you think about cards. that? Oh, the cards. Okay. Card. That so one is better, Paul. Whenever they show that defensive scheme, we'll go with 11-card pickup. I like it. What do you think Good about job, that? Good job, Paul. I think we, we, we we'll approve. give that a thumbs right. up. One out it of is two. funny about the secretive stuff. I asked Jeff Rogers, the assistant head coach in and uh, special teams coordinator okay. uh, because Aaron Brewer, his wife had their second child Sunday morning and he still made it to the game, which is good because there yeah. are no other long snappers on the team. But I asked him who the emergency long snapper is. And he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> really? That's classified? Yeah, you wouldn't think so, but it was. Hmm. Well, thank goodness Aaron Brewer was there, though, because... Now- According to Jonathan, and I wanted to ask uh, Brew how, how much sleep he had the night before. I, I don't know. but um, And he's one of our favorite dudes, Aaron Brewer. I mean, he's just an unbelievable guy who's, what, his 11th year in the league? And when Jeff Rogers found him at San Diego State and gave him an invite to Broncos camp once upon a time coming out of college, Aaron Brewer was, like, stupefied. He's like, really? They want to take a look at me for the NFL? Brewer told me this was a couple of training camps ago. He thought he had no chance at an NFL career. He literally told his roommate upon leaving for Denver, he said, "Well, you know, maybe, hey, maybe I'll get to meet Peyton Manning." <laughs> that was his only expectation: is maybe I'll get to meet Peyton Manning. And now, eleven years later, he's been pretty in the cool. league. So that's pretty funny. Uh, where was I going with all this? Oh yeah, who's the emergency quarterback? Who isn't a quarterback? Like if disaster hits, knock on wood, it doesn't. Who is like the emergency position player quarterback? Garrett Williams told us that he was a big-time high school quarterback until he injured his shoulder his senior year, and then he couldn't throw, and so they moved his junior year, and then they moved him to, to DB exclusively, and boom, the rest is history. He was one of the top recruits in the nation. But I don't I'm wondering, know who it would be. Who is a guy who could uh, play quarterback? Because especially now, now assuming they're going to get that third quarterback in the Cardinals Think about it. If Kyler Murray isn't ready, yes. you're going to have Clayton Toon and, to be named later, yes. Driscoll or someone else. Yeah. So if you go through two quarterbacks against a top three defense and Miles Garrett, who's that third guy just in case? Well, I mean, to be fair, that's we could have said that every game because they've only had two quarterbacks active every game. True. So. Okay. Um, that's a good question. Have, have we seen Zach Pascal throw the ball? For some reason, I feel hmm. like I've seen him toss the ball around a little bit. Not that you would let an emergency quarterback throw it much. That's true. Although Patrick Peterson used to a little bit, right? Wasn't there a a time where Pat P got in and actually got a pass off? Oh, yeah. Was that a design deal or was he actually running at? No, it was a design pass, but he was running as a wide receiver and then threw the ball. Okay. I have a a, um, trivia question for you guys. I don't say trivia because I don't know the answer. So just a question. So Clayton Toon, his 
great great uncle Jim Lawrence was the Cardinals' first ever draft pick. That's yes. right. Has yes. there has there ever been multiple family members to play for the Cardinals organization? Well, Paris Johnson Jr.'s dad. Okay, that's a good point. Remember right off the top, one? yeah, I should have known that one. Um, beyond that, don't know. Great question. Possible, but I mean, when you're talking about a franchise that's been around for plus a hundred years, it's yeah. You don't want to rule anything out. Yeah. So, all right, what are the big plans for Cleveland? Anything? Anyone? Anyone got I got to look and see how cold it's going to be. Mm. We ran some video of Jonathan Gannon on his TV show of uh, his high school days. Legend. I did not know the man ran hurdles. He was like oh, yeah. top 10 in the state in like the 110 high hurdles or something ridiculous and, like that. And the only reason he ran hurdles is because they wanted him. He, he was a great baseball player and decided he moved away from baseball because he wanted to play AAU basketball during summer baseball. So and the and his football coaches wanted to make sure he did something in the spring is last year and that's why he I'm like he wasn't doing track and then he just did it because he needed to and then he kicked everybody's he, butt. He absolutely oh. gives the vibes of someone who would just be good at whatever sport he yes. picked up well, and just yeah. and based, put in the work and be that's great basically at it. What happened. Yeah. Yeah, because that doesn't he, surprise he, me. He 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 loved basketball. And he was convinced that maybe he had a better chance moving up the ladder as a football player than a uh, than a basketball player. And he said, "I well, maybe maybe he was maybe finished baseball a little earlier in his career." But he said, "I might have been baseball might have been my best sport, but I didn't like it." Wow. Well, you know that's before they had the pitch clock, so maybe it was a little too slow for uh, Coach (laughs) Cannon. So if you want to see some of that video, it's definitely on Game Plan, which is Friday night, 6.30 on 12 News. Uh, Cardinals in focus, we might feature it as well. It's good stuff. There's video of him sinking a free throw with a few seconds left in the state title basketball game to make it a three-point margin, and then they celebrate. There's him making a pick as a DB, which eventually went to Louisville on a full ride, a scholarship. And then there's uh, there's some some video evidence of him running the hurdles as well, which where, was where great did, stuff. Where did all this come from? Uh, somehow, uh, our VP, uh, Tim Delaney, got uh, some sort of footage somewhere, I don't know, out of the Cleveland archives somewhere. So, um, you know, in fact, we said we're go- we might go to Johnny's on Fulton, which is a restaurant that's been there for more than 100 years. And immediately, J.G. Uh, perked up because I think he got married at the Catholic Church across the street and down the block, St. Rocco's, is where he got married. <laughs> no Rocco's. joke. Because we've gone to Johnny's on Fulton before, and Rocco's. I come out and go, that is a really cool Catholic church. I was, I wish I was a member of that parish, St. Rocco's. How cool I'm guessing that that's be? why they named their son Rocco. Maybe. There you go. I had to guess. I did not know that. Okay, that's good. All right, well, uh, I haven't looked at the Cleveland weather forecast yet. Danny, I don't want to know. It doesn't matter until we get to about Friday because uh, there's no... You're fine. I've got a really big, long, like, polar bear-looking coat, so I'll be ready. (laughs) It's good. Okay. Because I'm a wimp for the cold. Until then, we'll see you next week here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.